Please join me in the prayer for God to illumine our hearts and minds. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 65. Listen to God's word for us. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered a curse. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Before I read the New Testament lesson this morning, I would just like to give some information about who I am and what I'm about. I am the covenant pastor, which means temporary. And I'm to be here until Easter, if not before. My purpose is to help the church as she looks for an interim pastor and allows the church to go through the interim process to call the next pastor at Grace Covenant. So I'm delighted to be here. I'm about 24 hours a week and here on Tuesdays and Thursdays and glad to be of assistance to anyone of any need that might be. But I'm, uh, I've moved from the pew over there, my pew, to the pulpit, and I look forward to moving back to the pew one day, but by Easter, if not sooner than that. Our New Testament lesson is from Luke's Gospel, the 21st chapter. It's about the end of time, and Jesus is rather discouraging in what he has to say in these verses of Scripture. Listen now for God's word. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, as for these things that you see, 
the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another, for all will be torn down. They ask him, teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? He said, beware that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name and say, I am he. And the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. For these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues. There'll be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and the prisons and you'll be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will be an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for it. I don't know about you, but I am tickled pink the elections are over. And it's not because of who won or who lost. It's because of all those blasted advertisements that we had to endure day after day and week after week. I thought Channel 6 was kind of cute in some of their political ad breaks that they had. One was the weatherman chasing his dog around the outdoor weather center. And it kind of gave you a sense about there is more to life than all of these political ads. For if you listen to those political ads and you believe them, then there was not anybody you would vote for. The way people slammed each other and the way people made fun of each other, you wonder where would you decide where to cast your vote. It almost came down to who is the lesser of two evils, which is a rather sad commentary on the situation we find ourselves in in our country in this day and time. Now, this sermon is not about politics, so don't get too nervous about those kinds of things, but it does paint a picture in the contemporary scene not unlike the discouragement and the distress that the Israelites were going through that we found in Isaiah 65 that Rusty read for us. For you see, the Israelites had been exiled. They were no longer in their own country. They were living under foreign rule. Their leaders had been dispersed and had been torn apart they had no future. They had no possibilities. They had no reason to get up every morning. For life for them was an incredible mess. And where were they going to turn? The prophet Isaiah had some words of hope that came from God. Notice the upbeatness of these words that Isaiah declares. God said, I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad, 
and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. People, when they first heard this word, must have thought Isaiah was smoking something because the language that he used was so foreign to the experience they were going through. The language he used was unrealistic. For some of us pessimistic Presbyterians, we say, there they go again, not even related to the realities that we find ourselves in. And oftentimes, is not that the case when we read some words from Scripture? When we've lost our job and we get some encouraging words, do we believe them? When we've lost a child, when the relationship that was very dear to us suddenly turns sour, it's hard to hear these kinds of words of encouragement. When all around us we see discord and division, when we see congregations wondering what their future is, if they have a future, when we get the news of a life-threatening illness that literally changes our lives, how do we hear these words of any kind of encouragement? And Isaiah is talking about something new, about joy, about being a delight. Give me a break. It's pie in the sky. It's what many of us get very skeptical about. Is there any reality to the words of Scripture? And yet, we believe these are God's words. We believe they are inspired. We believe that they are scripture. So what gives? How do we understand this passage from Isaiah, much less the passage from Luke? One of the key words in the passage from Isaiah is the word create. In the Old Testament, the only subject of the word create is God. If you remember way back when we used to diagram sentences... You'd draw a long line, and then you draw a vertical line. And on the left side, you'd put the subject. On the right side, you put the verb. And then a shorter line, and you put the object. God creates. Subject, predicate. I hadn't thought about diagramming sentences until this past week when I was working on this, and I didn't realize how much Mr. Freeman's class in the 12th grade would make a difference. But it did because it helped me understand what this is all about. So God creates new heavens and a new earth. Notice what's left out. You and me. Which simply means that we need to hear the good news that God is the creator and we are not. God makes the new heavens. God creates the new earth. God is the author and creator of all things which I think tells a lot about who this God is and gives us a sense of what God's character and what his nature is all about. It declares first and foremost that God is the creator and that God is faithful. He is faithful forever. He has not abandoned us. He will not abandon us. He's there in the exile with the Israelites and also in the victory. He's there in the times of defeat and the times of fulfillment. He's there in the desert and he's there on the mountaintop. The Israelis got up every morning, even in exile, 
hard times and suffering because they knew God was faithful. The Israelis had a future because God was with them and would be with them. The Israeli people were discouraged and defeated, but they knew that wasn't the end of the story. God as creator is faithful, has always been, will always be. The other point about God's nature that we worship is that this new creation is coming into being right now. We are right in the middle of it. The Israelis were right in the middle of it in exile and could not see it. For we are the legs and the hands and the hearts that help this creation occur. We are the workers and the servants of this creator God. We don't wait till the heavens are created and sit back and look at them. We don't wait till the new earth has happened and then enjoy it and participate. We don't sit back and let someone else pull our load. We are partners in this enterprise with Almighty God to bring about this new creation. The Israeli people could only see suffering and heartache. They could only see the negative. They could only see the glass half empty. And yet, in the middle of the exile and suffering, they were part of a new creation that was coming into being. And they could not see the forest for the trees. But God had a plan. God had a purpose. God was working it out through the hard and difficult times and God was right there with the Israelis even in those hard times and they were blind to the fact. In my experience as General Presbyter, I sat with many congregations who said, woe are we. We don't have enough people. We don't have enough money. We spend all of our resources on the building just to keep it open and operating. And the new people that have moved in the community, well, they're just different than we are, and they probably just won't fit in. Yet even in these congregations, God was with those folks, trying to help them see what a new possibility could be and how God could work out their purpose and their lives. But they'd never done it that way before. We also need to be clear that this new vision that Isaiah is describing is not a forecasting of details in the future. Like if you only live to be 100, you're a kid. Or there'll be no crying or distress. It's not a detailing of the mechanics of what's going to happen in the future. It's a vision of what might be possible with God Almighty. Walter Brueggemann, the great Old Testament scholar, declares that this passage is outgrown because the new world of God is beyond our capacity and even beyond our imagination. In our cynicism, we deeply believe that these, problems, these promises that God has made cannot happen here. It's beyond our comprehension. It's beyond our imagination. But it's a vision a vision that keeps us going and a vision that allows us to get up every morning to be about the work of God. The passage from Luke also talks about this, but in a different way. It's talking about the end of time, about great calamity and great distress. It's unsettling language and it's language that is hard to imagine that such things might happen. It's language that will terrify us. You hear of wars and rumors of wars. 
You hear of great earthquakes, nation rising against nation, disease and famines and plagues. It kind of reminds me of the headlines in the local newspaper on almost a daily basis. It's frightening language and it's scary. But what's the point of it? The point is that God is faithful. That even in these hard times and difficult moments, God is present with us. Fear not, be not afraid, for not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls, the scripture says. So when these hard times happen, how are we supposed to deal with them? Do we simply blame people for the bad situation we're in? Do we need a scapegoat in order to point at someone and say, that's the reason we're in the condition we're in? Do we need to have some rationalization of why we are where we are? And the author of Luke says, no. It's an opportunity to testify. An opportunity to declare the faithfulness of God. An opportunity to say to the world who is in charge, and it's God and not us. We don't believe in fate or luck or happenstance. We believe that God is there in the midst of everything that happens to us, even in difficult times. Now I want to meddle a little bit. And I don't mean meddling in the sense of Virginia where you tell rumors and stories that aren't always true. I want to meddle in the sense of how does this passage speak to us? How do these words of God make a difference in our lives or in the life of this congregation? For it seems to me that if Scripture doesn't speak to our situations, then it's just good literature and it's not God's hand at work. And yet, while this is a lectionary passage for today, I don't know if there's not a better passage for us to look at where we are now. I want to declare we're not in exile. So don't fret about that like the Israelis. But there is anxiety and there is nervousness in some parts about where we're headed. Many were surprised when the pastor announced his resignation and call to another church. Many were wondering what's going to happen in the future. Many are wondering and get nervous and anxious during these transition times. But the question is, can we allow God to be the creator? Can we allow God to create a new vision of a new Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church? Can we be open to God doing the creation and we being the hands and the feet and the legs about that? Or do we have to have a pity party? Do we have to blame somebody for why we're where we are? Do we have to rationalize our condition? Do we have to have a scapegoat of who's responsible because I'm not? There'll be people that will back off during this transition. There'll be other people that will step up that haven't stepped up before. We'll have people anxious about the future because the glass is half empty, not half full. We'll have people rushing to want to get a new pastor because you need a real deal, not a temporary like me. And the pastor is important. But my friends, you are the church. The pastor is the shepherd, not the savior. Or do we need to have all kinds of reasons of what's going to happen? 
I think this session has given some good guidance of an approach for us to pray through the Psalms and to share our insights of what we see the Holy Spirit doing in this congregation. Insights of what the Holy Spirit is attempting to create here. Insights of how we might be created differently ourselves. It is a time of spiritual discernment. It's also a time to be open to God the Creator who fashions us into His body. So don't make this season a season made in your own image. Don't make this season a time for you to put your agenda on everybody else, but rather be open to God's dealing with us. It's not a time to tread water. During this time, just as with the Israelis, there will be good and positive times. There will also be negative and exhausting times. There will be plateaus and ho-hum times. Yet as God did with the Israelis, God will do with us. Crafting all of these experiences into our future and crafting all of these times into a new way to be about the work of Christ. It's a vision of where God is leading us to be about God's work. There was a bumper sticker once that said, In valor there is hope. And I think the bumper sticker is just backwards. Instead, as Christians, it's in hope there is valor. It's in our hope that Jesus Christ will lead us in new ways that gives us the energy and the excitement to see what God might have in store for us. I invite you to live into hope and to see what God might be doing with us and through us and in us. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that you will create in us a new being. We give you thanks that you will create a new way to serve you more faithfully. We give you thanks that we might be that new creation. Open us, O oh God, so that we might be receptive to new ways and new things to give you praise and honor and glory. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.